Hey, this is Tyler Johnson, pastor of Mission Church located in Walnut Creek, California. I want to say thank you for tuning in. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you live the life God called you to live. Enjoy. Are you ready for the message? If you are new to the church or missed the last few weeks, we started a series titled, That's My Church. And the big thought of it was simply this, is that we want to be a church that pleases God. And it's easier said than done. The church is infamous for losing its way and strain and starting to please people instead of God. Please preferences instead of God. Please the world instead of God. And when we stop pleasing God first, we have lost our way. So we've been looking through scripture of just things that we know that please God. And today we're going to talk about laughing with God. Because faith pleases God. There's a story in the Old Testament. We're going to look at Genesis. Uh, Sarah gets told she's going to have a kid. She laughs at God. But then she has the kid, and then she laughs with God. Some of you, you've been in a season of laughing at God, but God's going to change something in you today. We're going to start laughing with God. Are you ready for the message? Hebrews 11 says this. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, uh, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, the elders obtained a good testimony. Come on now. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command. By faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, uh, he was commended as a righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, Abel still speak. Everybody say, by faith. Do you see a theme here? By faith, by faith, by faith. Let's keep going a little bit. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so he did not have to experience death. Verse 6. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Turn to your neighbor and say, impossible. All the extroverts loved that moment. All the introverts hated that moment. I get it. I get it. I'm sorry, introverts. But it's good to have some interaction in church a little bit, all right? Uh, I'm a crowd participation preacher. Uh, it goes on to say, by faith, no one was, when he was warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. In verse 8, by faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger. And here's the one we're going to land on today, Sarah. And by faith, even Sarah... I love how scripture just throws in, even Sarah by faith. If you don't know about the story about uh, Sarah, 90 years she was a doubter. 90 years she doubted God. But eventually became a faith-filled person. She made the hall of fame and the hall of faith in Hebrews 11. If you're a doubter, there is time for you. If you're in the room today and you're one of those people, you just always suspect and skeptical and always questioning and always doubting, God can increase your faith. Even Sarah that said, this is impossible. Look at my resume. This can't happen. Eventually, she had faith and saw God do something in her life that never could happen without God. Goes on saying, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful, who had made the promise. We got to read Hebrews 12 before I pray. You got to read Hebrews 12 when you read the Hall of Faith. Uh, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses... If you are new to church or new to this text, those, that cloud of witnesses is not the people around you. It is the saints that went before you. Is literally saying right now in heaven, Abraham, Moses, Noah, Peter, Rahab, Mary, Martha, all of them are literally surrounding us and cheering us on saying, believe that he's the same God that split the Red Sea. Believe that he's the same God that saved. Believe he's the same God that did the impossible. They're literally cheering us on to believe that what his word says will do what it will do. Can I get an amen for that? That's a beautiful picture. And it goes on to say, let us throw off everything that hinders. The Taylor Swift version say, shake, shake, shake it off. Okay. Um, Yeah. Did he just quote Taylor Swift? Yes, I did. She's everywhere right now. Everywhere. 
Uh, let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles us. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. That verse right there, this is what it's saying. Life is hard. We have hard days. We have hard weeks. We have hard months. We sometimes have hard years. Some of you have had hard decades. And on this side of heaven, because of sin and what it's done to mankind, we have these seasons of just where we got to grit and persevere and believe that the valley is not the destination, that the hard season we're in is not what was assigned to us. It's saying throw off the doubt, throw off the shame, throw off the circumstance. Because here's what happens. Fixing your eyes on Jesus. As your shepherd, I'm asking you today, stop fixing your eyes on your circumstance. Stop fixing your eyes on your past. Stop fixing your eyes on the political landscape and start fixing your eyes on Jesus and watch what happens to the valley. I feel like I'm yelling at you a little bit right now. I had some coffee. Okay, here we go. Um, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne. That's just my intro. I'm just getting started. Al Pacino. I thought if I did Taylor Swift, I got to do like some Al Pacino, you know what I'm saying? Just balance it out a little bit. Um, are you ready for the message? Tell my message is simply this, a church that laughs with God. Not a church that laughs at God. Not a church that scoffs at God, but a church that laughs at God. Will you bow your heads? Oh God, I pray right now that we would be a church that laughs with you, that believes. Lord, I just, I repent. We repent of just our unbelief at times. And God, we believe what your scripture says. We believe that your promises are yes and amen. God, we have great expectations. We have great faith for the Bay Area. God, you're not done in the East Bay. You're not done. We look throughout your word and we believe that you saved the best for last. I believe you have something great for the Bay Area. Oh, we love you, Jesus. We love you. May my words fall to the floor and your words soar. And everybody said? Amen. All right, all right. So we're going to look at um, Abraham and Sarah's journey. Uh, it's chapters 12 through 21. It's a few-minute read. It's going to be about a 35-minute message, but this is 25-plus years of their life that we're going to cover. And I want to go on the journey of watching the promise from the beginning and then the middle and then the promise coming to fruition. And we can all agree, the middle is the hardest place to live. But the reality is, is the rhythm of life is God gives you a promise, then there's the process, and then there's the prize. And I'm praying today that I can give you some tools on how to steward the process because the promise is so good and the prize is so good. And we could just steward that process with faith. Ooh, the life we could live. It says this in Genesis 12. The Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you in a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing and I'll bless those who bless you. Who wants to be blessed? Raise your hand. This promise is for you. It's for me. Uh, literally, it's the John 10, 10 verse summarized. Jesus came to give life and life abundantly to a fulfilling life, a super abundance. He comes to Abraham and gives this promise and he goes, I'm gonna bless you. I'm gonna bless people through you. He goes on and say, and whoever curses you, I will curse you, AKA, I got your back. If somebody messes with you, they mess with me. You don't have to fight. I will fight your battles for you. This is a good God. And all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham went as the Lord had told him and Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he set out for Haran. He took his wife, Sarah, his nephew, Lot, and all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they had arrived there. Stop. It's an amazing moment. This is a faith moment. Abraham, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless your family, 
and I'm going to beat anybody up who messes with you. Do you want to believe this promise? Abraham's like, I'm on my way. He literally just pops in. He's like, I'm down. I am down. It's a faith moment. He leaves his home. He leaves, he leaves the, the known for the unknown. And, and what, what I call this season of a new believer's life, it's like uh, when you get saved for the very first time. I remember being four years old. My grandma led me to Jesus, but it was age 16. So I loved baptisms today. Man, God does such a great work in, 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 that, in that age. I love our youth ministry. I, I think Joe and Paige are just doing the best job. Joe and Paige, wherever you are. No, 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 no. I was 16 years old, rededicated my life. I remember raising my hand, and I remember just saying, God, I want everything you have for me. And it was that moment, John 10, 10, God, I can't wait. I remember raising my hand, and I thought about all the things like, oh, the life I have ahead of me, the girl I got ahead of me, the job I got ahead of me, all the blessings. I mean, I was skipping out of church that day. Oh, just raise my hand. This guy said, hey, what's up? And I said, see you. I mean, it was one of the best days of my life. Now, I remember coming across this, me and my buddy Drew, we, before we got saved, parties is what we did. Um, and that was our old life. And so our new life was we would buy uh, conference DVDs um, online because there wasn't like the internet to watch stuff. We're like, what are we doing tonight? We're, let's watch a conference message, man. <laughs> yeah, let's turn it all the way up, you know? And if you knew Drew and I, like Drew was smoking everything he could smoke and drink. I mean, we were, we were getting the cops called on us at his house. So, so it was like a totally like nine day. We both got saved. Drew's actually pastoring an amazing church in Florida. He'll be preaching in October here. He's my brother. I uh, was the best man at his wedding. He's the best man at my wedding. I love him. The God of parents to his kids. If his kids knew what he did in junior high and high school, they'd be like, what? Pastor Drew? I mean, yes, your dad was, he was crazy. I mean, we, we were driving cars at 13. We were doing terrible stuff. Anyway, okay. Um, anyways, 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 anyways. Um, we, uh, we got this um, DVD and the message was called The Barbarian Way. It ended up being a book. And the, uh, remember us, we're sitting there and we were young believers. And, and again, Friday night, we got our McDonald's. We're watching a conference message. This is an adorable mess, uh, I think. And so um, uh, I think we're like, we were like uh, 18 at this moment. And the guy talked about the first six months of being a believer is your most effective season of your life. And he goes on to say, it's because you're a barbarian. And he goes on to share this illustration about a rhino that, that runs 30 miles per hour. But rhinos can only see 30 feet ahead of them. Can you imagine that? Woo, and only seeing 30 feet. The rhino doesn't worry about the 31st foot. The 31st foot worries about the rhino. And he goes on to say that young believers, they don't process step two or three. They just process the promise and go on. If you said it, we going. And Abraham is a barbarian at this moment. I don't know what the 31st foot holds, but I'm going 30 miles ahead as fast as I can to the promise of God. Oh, it's a, the best moment of a believer. It's one of the best moments ever. And I'll never forget that season of my life. I was just, a, I, I believed, I had faith like, like, that would move mountains. Like, it was just the way I was built. I just, I, I, was, I, was, I, was zealot, I was a zealot for Jesus. And so I become a youth pastor. And this was on my life for a long time. Uh, I come from Pentecostal roots. I got um, saved in a four-square church. So, so um, Holy Spirit, uh, you name it. I mean, I was totally down. Now, you get saved in a Pentecostal church, and then you start reading the Bible. You're like, hey, we're doing a couple things wrong. <laughs> a couple of these things aren't in the Bible, okay? Uh, we don't cast out the flesh. We're actually supposed to crucify and get sanctified. Not every sin problem is a casting out problem. Sometimes you just need to get sanctified, okay? Um, and so, so I, I, I love my Pentecostal roots. I love the Word of God. So that's why we have Mission Church today, okay? Uh, we go, we're going for it, but we ain't going outside the Bible, okay? Okay, so, but we, hey, we're going for it. All right, anyways. Okay, um, so, 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 so I'm, I'm, I'm in my early 20s. I'm a youth pastor, and uh, my best friend Drew is getting married. 
He's like 21, 22. Uh, he got married young. And um, uh, he's like, Tyler, we're getting married. And we're doing a destination wedding. We're getting married in Jamaica. And I was like, that's awesome. But in the back of my head, I was like, bro, I'm a youth pastor. I make $100 a week and I live with a family. This is going to be a two thousand, back then, this is, you know, almost 20 years ago now, I'm 41, uh, uh, $2,000 was like the, the price of the trip 20 years ago. And I remember like, how am I going to pay, two, that's, that's, that's half of my year's wage, you know? Uh, and then take out tithe, put a new four, another five, six weeks on there, okay? So about 26 weeks of wage. So I was like, I don't know what to do. So I got a credit card, okay? Um, um, don't judge me. I got my first MasterCard, and I swiped that baby, okay? I had $300 saved up. The other $1,700 was, uh, put on the, uh, was put on the wedding. And I remember getting back. It was the first time I had debt in my life, and it was just, like, absolutely just wearing on me. And I just I didn't know what to do with it because I remember, you know, you make your 100 bucks. I did get a raise uh, two years in. They doubled my salary, 200 bucks a week. Ballin' gyra! Okay, anyways. Um, so... So I'm, 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 I'm trying to pay off the debt. And, and I remember like, I just, I couldn't, like I was basically only made enough to like eat food and pay for my gas, uh, you know, uh, throughout the week and have a little bit of fun with my friends. And so I remember driving home one day. And do you remember those times early in your, your Christian walk where you'd pray to God about everything? Little things, big things, small things. Just praying to him, you know? Like I'm talking about everything. Like I would, I'd pray for the, the Seahawks to win football games. And, and I would pray for myself to hit good shots in golf. Like I, if, if I could pray about it, I was praying about it. Because I, 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 I never had this thought like, like I'm bothering God. God wanted to hang out with me. And I never had this thought like, like there was like a, uh, you know, um, a minimal amount of blessings God could allot the day. There's a surplus in heaven, not a, actually a minimal amount. So sometimes like, well, that person's got a big problem, so we'll let them pray. I'll take care of my problem on my own. I always just prayed about everything. And so I remember praying on the way home in my car one day. I was like, Lord, I got $1,700 of debt, and I don't know how to pay it off. I was like, can you just have somebody give me $1,700? Like, just put it on their heart. It's like one of those prayers, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. You're laughing at me, but I was laughing with the Lord. What? Okay. Um, and I was like, <laughs> ooh, shots fired. Um, and, uh, and I was like, Lord, can you please have somebody just give me $1,700? Like, but I knew, the, I, knew the, I knew the word a decent amount, but I was like, but Lord, your will be done. Like, if I need a steward better, I'll eat peanut butter and honey for the next two and a half years and have it paid off. Um, uh, Lord, uh, and I just remember praying it. I prayed that prayer like on a Wednesday. Go to youth. We had youth on Sunday nights uh, when I was youth pastor uh, then. And um, uh, these youth leaders came up to me. And they said, you know, we just got a new job. I got a signing bonus. And we felt like we we're supposed to share it with you. Here, here, here's, here's a card. And in the card, there was a check for $1,700. And I remember like, oh, my gosh. And I remember, oh, I, got, I was like, Lord, I need a new car. I need a new car. I need a raise. I started praying for everything. No, 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 but, but I got my $1,700 check. It was, like, it was like one of those moments. I was like, holy cow, like, like faith and prayer works, you know. And I was a barbarian at that time. Like people would have a thing like, have you prayed about it? Oh, no, yeah, well, let's pray about it. Let me tell you, I, I prayed 1700 bucks. What's the, what's the number? Let's pray about it right now. You're telling me you've had debt for four years. You've never prayed about it? He can pay it off right now. So I, like, I was just, I was, I was, I was, okay. So, so, so then um, we go to this retreat um, uh, uh, this summer um, uh, with, with the church. And it was this treat on like, it was like called Cleansing Stream. It was about like taking care of past wounds and past hurts. And, and I remember like, this is going to be a weird retreat. Two days of taking care of past wounds and hurts. And I'm like, huh? And like the first night, like 30 minutes. And I was like, this is so powerful. I forgive my dad. I forgive my childhood wounds. Like, it was like one of the greatest retreats ever. Like it was just if you haven't dealt with your past yet, deal with it, okay? Um, maybe we'll do a Saturday deal with your past uh, seminar, okay? Um, I got an idea, okay. Uh, okay, okay. So, so anyways, um, so then the next day, um, at the very end, they say, hey, we're gonna, we don't always do this at these, but we're gonna pray for people to get healed. 
Let me give you some context at this uh, retreat. Um, before I went to the retreat, I was, um, I get obsessed with things at times. So I got obsessed with working out for a season. And uh, I was trying to be like the strongest I'd ever been in my life. You know, you get in your early 20s and, you know, like, like, like I started bench pressing a lot. And well, the guy at the gym uh, actually had won like the bench press championship. His name was Swede, like t- typical bench press champion name, Swede. Uh, and so um, he would be in the gym and he would help me, uh, spot me sometimes. And so when he was in there, I didn't even try to impress him. So I put more plates on. And then so like one of these days I was trying to do a PR and, you know, Swede was spotting me. And when you bench press, you should go about right here. But if you want to, like, get a lot of weight off, you try to bounce it off your chest, but you're actually, like, using shoulders a lot right there, just tearing shoulders. And so I remember doing a PR. I forget what it was, 400, 700 pounds, 1,000, whatever. It the, the amount's not important. It was a lot, okay? I don't know. Um, and I remember uh, when the weight came down on my chest, I came to bounce it off. And when I went to go bounce it off my chest, both my shoulders just, I felt them both just tear. And if you've been at our church at all, you know I'm a crier, okay? I cry on good days, bad days. I cry at movies. I just like, oh my gosh, it's so powerful, you know? Like baptism, I was like, Rachel, I love our church. You know? um, so my shoulders tear, and I was like, ah! And so he's like, I like, I tore my shoulders, you know? And I remember like walking out of the gym, and like people like looking at me, like, ah, 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 you know? And they're like, what happened to that guy, you know? So, so I go to the doctor, going to have to have surgery on my shoulders. I ripped them, you know. And so, so I go uh, to a retreat, full Pentecostals. Everybody's like worshiping, hands raised. And like, I'm the guy who's like, everybody's like judging because I'm like this. Uh, they couldn't raise my hands. It's like, does he not love God? I was like, no, I do. I just I can't raise my hands. I tore my shoulders. So I want to tell everybody, like, the reason why I'm not worshiping is because I tore my shoulders. Uh, so, so anyways, at the very end, um, they call for healing. And uh, this guy who was in a wheelchair uh, went right in front of me, went down to the front. And it was one of those first moments, you know, I was becoming a believer a little more. I was like, you know, the guy, I'm, I'm going to let him have the prayer. I started like kind of getting more, I started, instead of running 30 miles per hour and not worrying about 30 first foot, I started running about 20 miles per hour and kind of worrying about like the, tw- the 20th foot, the 19th foot, and, and just the pace of my life. And I remember a friend like nudged me and they're like, go get prayer. And I was like, okay, okay, I'll go get prayer, I'll get prayer. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll go for it. Now the problem is, is when you go up last for a prayer for healing, you get the last prayer person that nobody wanted to pick, okay? <laughs> for so many reasons. Like, like, this guy did not want to get picked. So when people would walk up, he would, like, walk away from them. You know what I'm saying? And so then they'd walk, like, they'd walk in, and he'd be like. And so, like, but he was the last one. So I walk up, and he was like. And I was like, it's just you and I, man. <laughs> there ain't nobody else. It's just, it's just us, you know? We locked eyes, okay? And so, um, so I walk up, and I tell him, I was like, yeah, I tore my shoulders, and um, uh, I'm going to have to have surgery, and I can't even lift my arms. So I was like, uh, would you pray that my, my, uh, that my shoulders, that they, they be healed? And uh, I said, my name's Tyler. Da, da, da. And so the guy literally starts to pray for me. And everybody else there, I mean, like, they're like hands on the shoulder praying. He literally goes like this. Boop. <laughs> I'm like, what is going on right now? I'm like, so annoyed. I'm like, this is who I got? I was like, I was like, I was like can, I, can I get out of this now? Like, just like walk away? You know, so he puts his finger on me, starts praying, and he literally goes, Lord, I pray for, what's your name again? I was like, Tyler. He goes, Lord, I pray for Tyler, and what's wrong again? I was like, tell the guy, I was like, he must have been like pulled in the last second, you know what I'm saying? And he's like, pray for Tyler's shoulders, and I was just like, I was so annoyed at this moment. Like, literally, I was like, what is going on, you know? And so, so like, I, like, Prayer etiquette, you're not supposed to like look around when somebody's praying for you, especially healing. But I was like, and I lifted my eyes up, started looking around, and then the guy in the wheelchair is standing up and walking. One of the greatest moments of my life as a faith believer in Jesus. And at that moment, 
my faith just skyrocketed. Not in the person praying, not even in the man standing, but in the object of who was healing. And like, I just felt this like warm honey poured over my body and my shoulders literally like pain gone. And I remember like, like looking at him as he's praying and I like started going like this. I don't know what, I just like, this is the test. And I was like, oh my gosh, you know, I was like, I'm better, you, I'm healed. And the guy's like, seriously? I'm like, Anyways, I was like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm bawling my head off. And I turn to my friends, I'm, uh, I'm, my shoulders are better. And they're like, why are you doing angels in the outfield? I don't know. You know, just absolutely weeping. But in that early season of my, my life, I just even remember coming home going, God, you're going to use me to heal people. You're going to use me to, 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 to do the miraculous. I'm going to see you do the impossible. And so I remember I moved down to LA and I became a youth pastor and now I'm in my mid twenties and um, started praying for people to get healed. And I went through a dry spell. You ever been through a dry season with the Lord? You ever waited for a while where you're like, did he forget me? Did he forget what he told me? Which leads me to my next point where the Lord reminds Abraham of the promise. Because Abraham gets that promise and he has the barbarian season. Woo, I'm in, let's go. 15 years passed. My second point is this, the Lord reminds Abraham of the promise he made him. And as your pastor, I'm here to remind you of the promise God made you. Come on, some of you forgot it. He, his promise to redeem you, he's gonna redeem. The, the promise for an abundant life, and you're like, that's not for me. My life doesn't feel too abundant. You saw my life and my marriage and my career, doesn't feel very abundant. Well, I'm here to remind you again that he's still working, even though you can't see he's working. So it goes on to say in Genesis, God also said, Abram, um, as, your wife, um, as for Sarah, your wife, you are no longer to call her Sarai. Her name will be Sarah. I will bless her and will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations. King of peoples will come from her. Comes to remind, hey, remember I told you to be a father of men nations? Came to remind you, Sarah's gonna birth him. Here's Abraham's response. Abraham fell face down. He laughed and said to himself, can you imagine this? God comes down. Hey, it's me. I'm going to fulfill the promise. And Abraham's response is not rejoicing with God. It is killing over and laughing at God. (laughs) I'm a hundred years old, God. You're about 25 years late. Okay. Um, I don't know if you know ages or how this whole thing works. Uh, but I'm 100 and she's 90. We sit on the porch and talk about our day now, okay? Um, he's laughing. He's, he's, he's not rejoicing. He's not believing. He is killing over laughing at God. And it goes on to say, will a son be born to a man 100 years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? And Abraham said to God, if only Ishmael might live under your blessing. Then God said, yes, but your wife, Sarah, will bear you a son and you will call him Isaac. Do you know what the name Isaac means in Hebrew? It means laughter. The Lord's like, oh, you want to laugh? Oh, we, we can laugh. You want to make this about laughing? Well, your son's name's laughter now. And I'm going to have the last laugh. So he comes in and goes, hey, you're going to have a son. Promise, and not only are you going to have son, but you're going to name laughter. Name's going to be Isaac. He goes on. 
Uh, I'll establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. And as for Ishmael, I've heard you. I will surely bless him. I'll make him fruitful and will greatly increase his numbers. He'll be the father of 12 rulers and I'll make him into a great nation. But my covenant, I will establish with Isaac. He's like, my promise. This is my promise. I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah will bear to you by the t- this time next year. When you had finished speaking with Abraham, God went up from him. Stop. You know, I heard this uh, joke a while ago. It's, it's very simple. It's kind of cheesy, but it, it's perfect for this moment. A uh, man asked God, God, what, what's, what's, a, um, what's a million years to you, God? He's like, it's like a second. Well, it's like, what's like $10 million to you, God? It's like pennies. And so the guy was like, God, can I have a penny? And God was like, yeah, in a second. And the guy was like, hmm. See what you did there. Okay. And at this moment, if Abraham could speak to us today, if Sarah could speak to us today, if you know the the reason why he's contending for Ishmael is because God was taking too long, so they created their own solution. He said, God, I took care of it. I had Ishmael. Bless this season. Bless this decision. And if, if Abraham and Sarah were here, they would say this, don't complicate God's promises with your solutions. Because the reality is, is that faith isn't always about believing that God can raise a man out of a wheelchair. Faith sometimes is just seen as waiting and trusting and believing that he will do what he said he would do. And so many of us, when God doesn't deliver on our time frame, because like a good parent, what parent would give their kid everything they wanted right when they asked for it? I want this, 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 this. And if a parent were like, yes, 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 you would judge that parent. You're creating a monster. The reality is, is God saying, I know my timing is perfect. And if you let me develop in you character and go through this process, the prize will be sweeter if you could actually embrace what I'm trying to do in your heart right now. Now, it's easy for me to talk about Abraham that way. But what about my own life? I didn't have to go through 15 years. I remember being in LA and I was um, put over the midweek service as a youth pastor. I was about 26, 27 years old. Senior pastor was out of town. He's like, hey, you're in charge of our midweek service. And uh, somebody at our church, their brother, tried to take his life. It was unsuccessful, uh, but he was in a wheelchair, and he had lost some cognitive needs. Um, he couldn't speak um, uh, anymore, but he could still understand everything. And like, we're bringing him to church today. Would you pray for healing? I was like, pray for healing? I was like, tonight's about to be a healing service. I was like, bring your brother to the front. We're about to set it off. And they're like, okay, we're doing it. And I was like, I, was, I just, just read about, you know, you know in, in Matthew about faith, and, and I was, my faith was high. And, and I remember, you know, we worshiped, and I shared a message. I said, hey, I said, you're here on a special night. We're, we're going to pray for somebody healed, and I'm believing he's going to walk out of here, and we haven't come up. And, and, and we started praying, and, and nothing was happening. And, and then we started praying some more, and nothing was happening. And then, and then I, just, I just felt it. I was, like, I was like, do you believe he can be healed? And, then, you know, people in the room, about 130 at this time at, 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 at the church I was working at. And some people were like, yeah. I was like, that was one of the weakest yeahs I've ever heard, you know. I didn't say that out loud. I thought in my head. And so I started praying again. And then, and then in the middle of it, I was like, you know what? Time out. If you doubt, will you just get out? Yeah, don't give the youth pastor the mic on a Wednesday night. <laughs> Joe, don't ever do this, okay? Um, I got back to the senior pastor. <laughs> Were you kicking people out of church? Doubters. Yes, yes. Um, <laughs> yes. And so there's a moment in, in, in the New Testament where Jesus gets the doubters out of the room. So it's like, if you doubt, get out. If you have faith, come to the front. We're going to be praying. And I was, I was praying, I was believing, I was praying and believing, I was praying and believing, praying and believing. I, we stayed there so long, it kind of got awkward and nothing happened. And then, you know, I ended the prayer. I was like, okay, look, maybe not today, but maybe tomorrow. You know, thank you so much for praying and believing. And everybody left. And it just destroyed me. 
And I started creating solutions to God's promises that would never happen again in my life. Instead of running like a rhino at 30 miles per hour and not worrying about the 31st foot, I started moving as a faith believer about one mile per hour and thinking about the 5,000 foot. Well, if I do this and say this, or I pray this, what if this person gets disappointed? Well, what if this happens? What if I look silly? What if they look silly? And I started creating solutions saying, God, would you just bless my way of doing things? Uh, And I, I I don't wanna step out anymore in faith because when I step out in faith, I could look silly and somebody can maybe get um, disappointed. So, so I, I want to take disappointment out of the equation and I want to take me looking silly out of the equation. Can we do it a different way? And the reality is a lot of you have done the same thing. You've created a rhythm in life that is what I would say the Ishmael of your life, where you have birthed a rhythm that is not a God rhythm. And you have birthed this rhythm to say, okay, I'll do life this way because this way it keeps it just nice and comfortable and cozy. But I would never live this way anymore because I tried this way and it left me disappointed because God did not deliver on my time frame. Now, let's look what happens in the next part of this. And this is the challenge I have for anybody in the house that's lost some faith, who has lost uh, um, belief that their life can be what God called it to be, that you created that rhythm of Ishmael. Well, God, I believe God's gonna start a new rhythm in your life right now. Are you ready for this? So the Lord asked Sarah to believe again. I believe God's asking you to believe again. And here's what happens in Genesis 18. Then he ran to the herd and selected a choice tender calf and gave it to a servant who hurried hurried to prepare it. Now what's happening right here? Uh, The Lord shows up with some angels, Abraham knows it's the Lord and some angels, and he says, can I make you some food? So he prepares them the best meal he can, uh, gets the best of the best. So he, he gets the tenor calf, uh, gave it to the servant who hurried to prepare it. Then he brought it some curds and some milk and the calf that had been prepared and set it before them while they ate. He stood near under the tree. Where is your wife, Sarah? They asked him. There in the tent, he said. The one of them, uh, then one of them said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now, Sarah was listening at the entrance to the tent. She wasn't reading a book. She's like, okay, what the hell? Okay, okay, mm-hmm. So she listened to the tent, uh, which was behind him. Abraham and Sarah were already very old, and Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, after I'm worn out and my Lord is old, will I now have this pleasure? She goes on, and this is what uh, the Lord says. The Lord heard uh, Sarah laugh. So the Lord said, um, to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, well, I really have a child now that I'm that old. Is anything too hard for the Lord? That translation hard, it's just, it's a bad English translation. You know, when you're trying to uh, translate Hebrew and Greek to the English, uh, Robert Alter has, I, I think, the best commentary on the book of Genesis. Uh, he's a great theologian, really dedicated a lot of his life to the book of Genesis. Uh, that word actually uh, is translated impossible at times, but the word really in Hebrew is wonderful. Is anything too wonderful for the Lord? And he goes on to say, is anything too wonderful for the Lord? I'll return to you at the appointed time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Sarah was afraid, so she lied and said, I did not laugh. But the Lord said, yes, you did laugh. (laughs) I love that moment. Can Can we just look at this real quick? Sarah has one moment meeting the Lord in her life. This is her one moment accounted that she actually met the Lord face to face. She laughs at him and lies to him. And he still delivers her promise. Don't tell me grace ain't big. Don't tell me his grace is bigger than your failures. Don't tell me that God's promises are determined on your end. We have a big God. When we fail, his grace covers those failures and he still delivers. And so just like a kid who ate the cookies and a cookie on his face, I ate the cookies. You ate the cookies. I ate the cookies. All right. Catch this real quick. Sarah is hearing this and says, I am 90, 
And the translation worn out, it's actually one of the better ways to say it. She literally is using the words like clothes that are so worn out, they should be thrown out. She's like, I'm so old, I should be thrown out. I'm expired. It'd be like the, the illustration of like milk in a fridge that is done, you need to toss it. That's what she's saying. She's like, expiration date, way past. Everything's expired. I'm done. Take me home now. And not only that, he's older than I am. So you do the math of what I'm saying. And then she goes on to say, will I really experience this pleasure? She's talking about sex. She's saying, we don't even try for that promise anymore. We don't even try for it. I know you told us that I was going to bear the son, but time went on. My age said something. His age said something. We know I'm barren, so we don't try this pleasure anymore. Why would I even try it anymore? Because when I did try, it only caused pain. When I said yes to this kind of intimacy, it always put a pressure, and so therefore we stopped. Now our rhythm is we sit at the deck and say, how was your day? Good day. All right, see you tomorrow. Like, that's all we do now. And you're saying I have to try again? Best illustration I can use to really unpack really what faith is for a lot of people in the house is faith is a idea for a long time until it actually like encounters your life where you have to choose it or you have to choose bitterness or you have to choose sitting on the sidelines for the rest of your life. There was this French uh, type rope guy, his name is Charles Blunden, came around, came to America in the 1930s, 1940s. And uh, this was before TikTok and movies. So, so like, this was a big deal. Like, people would go and watch somebody type rope, okay? Not today. People like, type rope, and whatever. Do you see this meme? Anyways. Um, so Charles Blunden goes to Niagara Falls, starts type roping the Niagara Falls. And people are amazed, you know, he's risking his life. And then he goes, do you think I can do it again? And everybody said, yeah. And he goes, and then he, like, carries something else over. He's like, do you think I can get over by carrying this over? And everybody's like, yeah. So he carries it over. And then he, you know, comes to the other side and, you know, now you can be the crowd because it helped my voice a little bit. He goes, do you think I can do it again? Yeah. Faithful people are right in this section right here. Okay. <laughs> it's not even a real type rope. You guys can believe. Okay. Um, and he goes, he goes, he goes, do you believe I can bring this wheelbarrow across the other side? Yeah. And he goes, singles out one person. Mike T, do you believe it? Yeah. And he goes, get in the wheelbarrow. No. Yes. <laughs> That's exactly what happened. I was like, yeah, get in. (laughs) And what happens in our faith journey is when sickness happens or depression happens or not being able to have a kid happens or our, our circumstance on the board says the opposite of the promise that God would come to you and say this, I've come to give you abundant life. I'm 60 and I don't feel abundance. I'm 40, I'm 30, I'm to whatever your age is. And you say, I don't feel that. God's saying, would you get in the wheelbarrow again? And would you trust me again to bring you to the other side? Would you try again one more time? Would you pray again for the first time? Would you serve again? Would you forgive again? Would you plug into community again? Would you be vulnerable in a relationship again? And watch what I do by faith and get you to the side of the promise your heart's always desired. And the reality is it's a lot easier said than done. Because you get in the wheelbarrow and you're like, okay, Lord, you can sprint. It's like, nope, let's... By this time next year, she had to believe that for years that she would birth what he promised. Some of you have been believing for decades. My, my, my hope for you today is, and I believe this, that this is why the Holy Spirit's so amazing. And 
part of my message today, there's something in your life right now that you have totally hopped out and not believed God for anymore. And I believe the Holy Spirit's just nudging at your soul. Believe again, believe again, believe again, believe again. And if you believe again, here's what happens. Last point, I'll invite the worship team to come up. When you go from laughing at God to laughing with God, Genesis 21 says this, Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah, as he said, and the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age at the very time God had promised him. Abraham gave the name Isaac to the son Sarah bore him. When uh, his son Isaac was eight days old, Abraham circumcised him as God commanded him. Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born to him. Sarah said, God has brought me laughter, and everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. And she added, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse the children, yet I have borne him a son in his old age. I love even, just, I just picture Isaac at age 10. Hey, why'd you name me Isaac, mom? Woo, it's a doozy, son. It's a doozy. I was laughing at God, lying to God. And then he said, I was gonna have to actually name you laughter. And the reason why your name laughter is not because I laughed at God, because God actually had the last laugh and he allowed me to laugh with him. So the rest of my life, every time I look at you, I'm reminded that God is the one that brought laughter in my life. Now, now, if I could, this story is so much more than a woman having a child. Everything in the Bible points to the good news, points to the gospel. Every, every, every story is pointing to the one who saved our life. His name is Jesus. And if you could just think of this story real quick, a nine-year-old woman who was barren, it would be impossible for her to have a child. If you fast forward thousands of years, there was a young girl named Mary who was a virgin and she was told the impossible that she would have a child. And this child that she was going to have would be the savior of the world. Now, if you know anything about scripture, Genesis through Revelation, the Bible allows us to peek into moments of heaven with the Trinity, God, the father, God, the son, and the Holy Spirit. And throughout scripture, there's this basically communication that we get to see that they are glorifying each other. They are having the best time together. It's the, the best relationship. Like literally, Jesus even says in one of his prayers, like, I can't wait to get back to heaven so we can glorify each other. First John talks about him being in like his father's bosom. Translation, like they would rejoice and laugh together. Like that, that, that's where Jesus would hang. He'd just hang out and laugh with his father. And what happened is, is Jesus left heaven where he was laughing and he came to earth. And one of the descriptions the Bible gives us is that he became a man of sorrows. Now, if you could just see the, the, the beautiful exchange that we see here, that Jesus decided to leave laughter and come to earth and say yes to sorrow, so now you could say yes to laughter. Because what grace births in your life, you could never birth on your own. The only way it can birth is if somebody was willing to die for you and pay the price you couldn't pay and take all the mocking and scoffing and all the other type of laughs so you could actually laugh with God. Let me unpack it this way. You know you're a Christian when, when people ask you this question. Are you a Christian? And if you respond kind of offended, like, am I a Christian? Of course. Don't you see how I live? Don't you see the type of movies I watch? <laughs> like, like, if that's your response, you're religious, you're not a Christian. But if people say, are you a Christian? And you go, yeah, crazy, right? You almost like laugh with them about it. Like when they, you're like, if you heard my story, <laughs> blow your brains. You just go nuts over it. Because the reality is, is that grace birthed something in me that I could never birth on my own. And so I now laugh with God. 
And if you looked at my life, and I'd look at my life, and I, I, was, I was reminiscing, I told Joel right before the message, I was walking, I was like, man, it just made me reminisce about getting saved at 16. I was in a family that had a rhythm of suicide. Everybody was getting divorced. Addiction was rampant in my family. And God saved me out of that pit and gave me a life I never could live. He gave me a, a joy that is not from this earth. And the only reason I have all those things is because grace birthed in my life. And so now I laugh with the Lord. And if you don't see your salvation that way yet, you haven't seen God clearly yet. I pray that you would see him clearly. And when you see him clearly, you start laughing clearly. Would you bow your heads? I don't know if it's your first time or second time in church, but you've never said yes to Jesus, yes to heaven, no to hell. You wanna say yes to salvation today. I believe God was tugging your heart. Holy Spirit was illuminating just how good God is, his beauty. So that's you today. You wanna to say yes to Jesus, every head bowed and eye closed. You wanna say yes to Jesus on the count of three. Raise your hand and catch my eye. One, two, three. Raise it up and raise it eye. I see that hand, it's a great decision. I see you, that's a great decision. I see you, that's a great decision. I see you, that's a great decision. Come on now, my left, your right. I see you, that's a great decision. Come on now. I see you in the middle right there, that's a great decision. I see you on the right side, come on now. Anybody else, one last thing, you wanna say yes to Jesus. Yes to Jesus. Please stand up, I wanna pray for you. I have no idea what your Isaac is in this next season, but I know God does. And I would just, as a church, let's start laughing with God. And can I just ask you a favor as, as your pastor? When I talk about revival in the Bay Area, stop laughing at it and start laughing with me. Stop scoffing at the idea that the Bay Area, the least church region, could actually become the, the most saved region ever. That literally, I, 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 have, I have dreams and visions that people throughout the world are gonna move here because it becomes the greatest place to live because there's so many great Christians that are loving and generous that this will become the most coveted place in the world because of Jesus. So God, we believe you. We repent for our unbelief. God, may we start laughing with you. May we be patient and trust you. Oh God, we love you. We do not allow the markings of our disappointment to direct our season. We allow your promises. We love you, we love you. Everybody said? Thanks again for listening to the Mission Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Bay Area, we invite you to come join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at missionchurchca.com. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.